Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is God's Will. Each day, ask God what God wants us to do today. Then ask God to help. A simple request, but so profound and far-reaching, it can take us anywhere we need to go. Um, you know, my comments on this were, you know, I didn't know that I could just do that every day. I just thought it would be like for the quote-unquote important stuff. Um, you know, it's just, it feels kind of nice to kind of share this stuff out loud um, and just kind of re- reinforce things that I need to hear. Back to the reading. Listen, all that we want, all that we need, all the answers, all the help, all the good, all the love, all the healing, all the wisdom, all the fulfillment of desire is embodied in this simple request. We need say no more than thank you. This plan that has been made for us is not one of deprivation. That's very important for me to know. It is one of fullness, joy, and abundance. Walk into it. See for yourself. Today, I will ask God to show me what God wants me to do for this day, and then ask for help to do that. I will trust that this is sufficient to take me into light and joy. The next reading also comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is clear thinking. Strive for clear thinking. Many of us have had our thinking clouded by denial. Some of us have even lost faith in ourselves because we spend a degree of time in denial. But losing faith in our thinking isn't going to help us. What we need to lose faith in is in denial. We didn't resort to denial either of someone else's problems or our own because we were deficient. Denial, the shock absorber for the soul, protects us until we are equipped to cope with reality. Yeah, I really like I really like this distinction here that, you know, it's not it's not like a bad thing to be in denial. It was something that really, really served and was important. Um, And as grow up and, you know, get the fellowship and and the tools um, and prayer and other help, you know, I no longer have to be in denial to cope with the reality of being raised in a dysfunctional household. Back to the reading. Clear thinking and recovery don't mean we will never resort to denial. Denial is the first step toward acceptance. And for most of our life, we will be striving to accept something. Clear thinking means we don't allow ourselves to become immersed in negativity or unrealistic expectations. Interesting, I was doing this late last night. And as I understand that a lot of this... Um, being immersed in negativity and unrealistic expectations, a lot of times, you know, I have to also trace it to what time of day is that? And oftentimes it's late at night for me. Back to the reading. We stay connected to other recovering people. I mean, especially in times of, uh, you know, this pandemic and the things that we're going through, it's super important. Uh, We stay connected to other, uh, we go to our meetings. We're peace of mind and realistic support are available. We work the steps, pray, and meditate. We keep our thinking on track by asking our higher power to help us think clearly, not by expecting him or someone else to do our thinking for us. Today, I will strive for balanced, clear thought in all areas of my life. And now we move on to ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is victim. Our experience shows that we often lived as victims. Many of us have gotten very good at playing the victim, but we tell ourselves that we didn't create that role for ourselves. Wasn't it those other people and circumstances that made us a victim? 
Holding on to regrets and resentments is like wrapping ourselves in a blanket of thorns. Each minute of each day, we are aware of the fact that the thorns are causing us pain, and the only comfort some of us get is thinking that at least others see how hurt we are. But nobody wants to live with a victim, not even the victim. Yeah, I can confirm that. I don't, like, you know, as someone who's, you know, kind of been a victim at, at points, and, you know, as Melody Beatty points out, we're victimized, we're not victims. Um, and yeah, like, I, I can I can definitely listen to this holding on to regrets and, you know, the Buddha saying and, and all this kind of stuff. But honestly, until I got into recovery, I didn't know how to let go of that kind of, you know, and start taking ownership. So that's why it's really important for me to continue doing this podcast. Back to the reading. How different our lives and our world would be if we could go back and undo the past. But life doesn't offer us that option. You know, and that reminds me of clear thinking. You know, you can't really do anything about the past. Like, even dwelling on it won't change it. Even praying to God to change the past won't change the past. You just, you know, focus on the present and the future. But life doesn't offer us, back to the reading, but life doesn't offer us that option. What we do get is a choice to either accept our past and work through it or to remain a victim, letting it continue to influence who we are and what we do. When we recite the serenity prayer in meetings, we need to believe the words, accept the things I cannot change. Our past happened. As uncomfortable as it was, it can become the catalyst that helps make us stronger. On this day, I will continue to shed the blanket of thorns I've worn as a victim and wrap myself in the soft blankets of recovery. And the final reading also comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is responsibility. Freedom from alcoholic insanity is a question of responsibility. We cannot be responsible for something we did not create. You know, in other words, I didn't create my dad's dysfunctional thinking on life or expectations. And so I'm not really responsible for what his expectations are. And I've spent so much of my life putting that as the number one priority. And I'm sure there's reasons to it and I can kind of go through that. But I think this passage realizes that, you know, I am responsible for, you know, how much I work today and how many podcast episodes I put out. Um, But I'm not responsible for pleasing or displeasing um, people in my family. Back to the reading. We thought of ourselves as something worthless at the center of the universe. We try to commit suicide in many ways, both emotionally and physically, thinking to ourselves, maybe this time they will see what is going on. But nothing changed and neither did our perpetrators. We spent all of this energy for what? Yeah, it's really interesting that the degree of sabotaging of self and some of it conscious, maybe some of it, uh, sorry, a lot of it unconscious, but some of it maybe not conscious, just to try to see that there is a problem. And, you know, that's, it's a waste of energy and it has been a waste of energy. And I commit to like not spending any more energy on on dwelling on, 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 on that part, you know, it's really about, you know, myself, my inner child, uh, my relationship to a higher power. Back to the reading. In ACA, we learned that we are the ones who have to change. To do so, we first need to let go of the responsibility for the alcoholic insanity. It has always been unmanageable, with or without us. We start to see that we deserve to have a chance at a sane life, even though we aren't quite sure what that would be like. We look out before us and see there is light ahead. We can't see what it is, but we also can't stop moving toward it. It feels good and warm. That scares us at first, but it also feels new and exciting. We put down our shame and our addictions that no longer serve us. 
We release our character defenses. I love that. We put down our shame and rejections. They don't, they served at a, at a past, you know, they might have helped from not making mistakes, but, you know, they don't really help at all. And I think that's the insane, that's the insanity of living and the clarity is like, it doesn't help anymore. So you can actually put those things down. We release our character defenses. It's time to see what this thing called life is all about. We allow ourselves to walk forward. On this day, I will remember that I'm responsible for myself, but not, but not for the insanity of my childhood. I'm going to repeat that two more times. On this day, I will remember that I'm responsible for myself, but not for the insanity of my childhood. On this day, I will remember that I'm responsible for myself, but not for the insanity of my childhood. I will use the memories to heal myself, but then leave them in the past so I can be free. And that concludes today's readings of Recovering My Inner Child. Till next time, my name is Kawan Saluja, reminding me to pause, because that's where God is, to love myself, and to feel my feelings. Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is Expectations of Others. It is our job to identify our needs and then determine a balanced way of getting those needs met. We ultimately expect our higher power and the universe, not one particular person, to be our source. It is unreasonable to expect anyone to be able or willing to meet our every request. We are responsible for asking what we want and need. It's the other person's responsibility to freely choose whether or not to respond to our request. If we try to coerce or force another to be there, to be there for us, that's controlling. Yeah, and it's a lot of manipulating. I think, you know, early on, you know, as a kid, you get these messages like suddenly I'm, I'm out of hockey at five and then when I'm six and a half, I'm suddenly skipping a grade. And both these things are well-intentioned, but it just gives a message early on that my needs really weren't that important. And then later on, you know, I tried to get those needs, you know, I tried to turn other people, places and things, as the serenity prayer says, into a higher power. And I think to um, to use any sort of manipulation or just expect everyone to be there for you all the time is a breeding ground for resentments. And again, why this spiritual program of action? And really, it's my job to identify my, my needs. And then, you know, that balanced way of getting those needs met. I think one of the more important books for adult children, and including myself, to take this advice is Stephen Covey's Seven Highly Effective Habits of People you know, and be proactive, uh, which, you know, a lot of times um, I'm very reactive. You know, that's the laundry list trait. Begin with an end in mind. You know, that's like, you know, having a vision, um, you know, which I didn't have until I got into 12 steps. Uh, the third thing is, uh, what, what is it? First things first. And, you know, that means putting our first things first. You know, a lot of times my, my first shower could have been like at five in the afternoon. Um, and think win-win, you know, um, so identify those needs, but don't, you know, also take other people into consideration as first, you know, a lot of and not or there's a difference back to the reading. There's a difference between asking and demanding. We want love that is freely given. It is unreasonable and unhealthy to expect one person to be the source for meeting all our needs. Ultimately, we will become angry and resentful maybe even punishing toward the person for not supporting us as we expected. It is reasonable to have certain and well-defined expectations of our spouse, children, and friends. 
If a person cannot or will not be there for us, then we need to take responsibility for ourselves in that relationship. We may need to set a boundary, alter our expectations, or change the limits of the relationship to accommodate that person's unavailability. We do this for ourselves. It is reasonable to sprinkle our wants and needs around and to be realistic about how much we can ask or expect of any particular person. We can trust ourselves to know what's reasonable. So like, I think also, you know, kind of being, I think all children like grow up sort of kind of like narcissists thinking they're the center of the world because that's just kind of how it is. And I think for me, you know, a lot of this has also shown me how to be a man, how to grow up, you know, and to realize that, you know, I'm not the center of the world, you know, but neither is any particular person or city or place or anything like that. Back to the reading. The issue of expectations goes back to knowing that we are responsible for identifying our needs, believing they deserve to get met, and discover an appropriate, satisfactory way to do that in our life. Today, I will strive for reasonable expectations about getting my needs met in relationships. The next reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is balance. Strive for balanced expectations for others. Strive for healthy tolerance. In the past, we may have tolerated too much or too little. We have, may have expected too much or too little. This is on the heels of the last reading. We may swing from tolerating abuse, mistreatment, and deception to refusing to tolerate normal, human, imperfect behaviors from people. Yeah, and I think that's the essential of being moody, you know? Sometimes, you know, just being really laid back and other times being like, you know, overly having too many expectations. Although it's preferable not to remain in either extreme too long, that is how people change. Real people who struggle imperfectly toward better lives, improved relationships, and more effective relationship behaviors. But if we are open to ourselves and to the recovery process, we will at some time begin another transition. It becomes time to move away from extremes toward balance. We can trust ourselves and the recovery process to bring us into a balanced place of tolerance, giving understanding and expectations of others and ourselves. We can each find our own path to balance as we begin and continue recovery. Today, I will practice acceptance with others and myself for the way we change. If I have to swing to the other extreme of a behavior, I will accept that as appropriate for a time, but I will make my goal one of balanced tolerance and expectations of others and myself. So really just being right-sized. And again, I just thought like, again, going back to that theme of trying to get your higher power, whether it's in work or in food or, you know, alcohol or whatever. And I think that doesn't mean that you have to spread them amongst these things, but, you know, a a nice balanced life, you know, involves self-care and some vision and some earnings work and, you know, some time for relationships and for family, you know. Um, So it's, you know, another, you know, solid reading as usual for Melody Beatty. Now we move to ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is stuck grief. Grief is loss that is stuck beneath denial, willful forgetting, and the fear of being perceived as dramatizing the past. Grief is the built-up defeats, slights, and neglect from childhood. And before I get more into, that's from the Big Red Book, before I get more into the reading, there was something I remember I took a, a... a program at Karen's Breakthrough Treatment. I think it was called Breakthrough. And one of the things they said was, you know, this concept of parts and thinking that maybe your angry side, your, the, that part of you that is angry is not letting 
that part of you that wants to grieve, grief. And that grief is stuck. And I look forward to reading this passage and seeing where that comes out of. Before we came into ACA, we might have thought of grief as something we experience only from overt losses, such as death of a loved one, divorce, or a devastating illness. With recovery in ACA, we also experience grief as something that comes from the loss of our identity in childhood. Yeah, I mean, you know, as so, sort of the amends to myself is the things that, you know, I'm really realizing that, like, for me, creativity is like the only thing. And I spent so many years pretending like that I wasn't. You know, doing my best, you know, makes me happy. You know, play, uh, things with friends, you know, watching games, having like intense conversations. And these are all things that as an adult, even when I have them, even when it brings a smile to my face, I feel guilty for. So back to the reading. With recovery in ACA, we also experience grief as something that comes from the loss of our identity in childhood. We're exposed to many suggestions of what those childhood losses might be, such as being regularly and unfairly criticized by a parent, being compared to a sibling who had more well-behaved, being who had who was more well-behaved. Uh, this was definitely your grandmother. Uh, being told we were bad, dumb, or inferior. Being told to keep secrets. The list goes on. And it's weird that no matter, like, whatever these things that were told as a kid, that critic takes that and, like, you know, at a certain point, at a certain point, we kind of take the reins and become our own per- perpetrators. And by we, I'm just referring to me. I'm not referring to anybody, who, you know, who's listening. It was just figure of speech. Anyways, just as it's valuable to handle more overt losses by grieving in a healthy manner rather than avoiding, numbing, and dissociating, we learn in ACA to practice loving ways to grieve our childhood losses. By working the steps and learning to have a dialogue with our inner child, who saved me today at work, by the way, we discover that our bodies and minds remember the neglectful and shaming acts of the past. Unearthing these memories and facing the feelings buried within them isn't easy, but we discover an amazing payoff on the other side of this grief. Being fully self-expressed and feeling alive, perhaps for the first time. I've certainly had glimpses of this. On this day, I will be aware of and focus on one of the losses I experienced in childhood, maybe sports, maybe creativity, and practice, and maybe sex, and practice a loving and compassionate way to grieve that loss. And the final reading comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is dissociation. Using a substance to alter the feelings is the second way to dissociate from feeling pain. The most easily available substances are alcohol, sugar, nicotine, and caffeine. Many of us come to ACA with addictions to drugs or alcohol. Others came with addictions to money, food, sex, or gambling. With the help of other 12-step programs, we successfully worked on these presenting problems. But there were other seemingly more acceptable addictions that we picked as a way to mask our pain. This is the truth. Acceptable addictions, phone, exercise, work, almost like looked on as a badge of honor in some cities and parts of the U.S. Back to our reading. In our quest for emotional sobriety in ACA, our feelings have to be available to us in order to locate the underlying trauma in our lives. Even if we're participating in these more acceptable addictions, like watching hours of TV each day, a nicotine habit that interrupts everything we do, or excessive caffeine, our feelings are being masked. If we continue to alter our feelings in these similar ways, it may be because the underlying trauma seems too scary to face. But to find true freedom for our inner child requires that our feelings be accessible. We need to be present 
to work our program if we are to become our own loving parent, which means rejecting the role models of our childhood. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is, you know, spending a lot of time pretending that you're not hurt, masking those feelings, you know, like a loving parent, you know, if if a kid is crying, like how would I treat my future son? And that's how you be, would treat yourself is, you know, you comfort him. You don't double down on work or go to the gym or, you know, embrace an other underlying behaviors that really cause shame hits and are kind of like museum states. Back to the reading. If we continue to alter our feelings in these or similar ways, it may be because the underlying trauma seems too scary to face. But to find true freedom for our inner child requires that our feelings be accessible. We need to be present to work our program if we are to become our own loving parent, which means rejecting the role models of our childhood, like my grandmother. We make a commitment that the abuse stops here and also that transactional element of childhood. We make a commitment, you know, I got unconditional love from my mom, that's for sure. We make, she's a saint, we make a commitment that the abuse stops here. We allow ourselves to be imperfect and move toward our ultimate goal of being fully awake without reservation. On this day, I will be honest about what I may be using to numb my feelings. I will reach out for help so that I may find the peace I deserve. And that concludes today's readings for Recovering My Inner Child. Until next time, this is Kowan Saluja reminding myself to feel my feelings, to pause, because that's where God is, to love myself, and to remember that rest might be the nicest gift I can give myself.